good morning, everyone. It is so great to be here with you today. It's so great just to be able to worship together with all of you in God's house for you. And I, and I, and I just am just believing God has more for us as we continue to head into this summer. And I just felt even as we were worshiping the Lord, the Lord put a, a word of encouragement in my heart for everybody. For anybody here today that is feeling like that you're going through just some um, challenges or you just feel like you're just, uh, that the enemy is just coming against you, I want to encourage you to do something. I want to encourage you to worship God. I want to encourage you in the, in, in the presence of your enemy to worship the Lord your God. I believe that as we worship God, God fills us with more of his presence and his love, and it pushes back the enemy. Can I hear an amen for that? Amen. Well, today, as you know, is Father's Day. And, uh, and I believe that one of the great joys that we have is, as parents, is having children. There's nothing like it. And I know for those of you that are new parents, as much as we could talk to you about it, there's nothing that can prepare you for it. It just is what it is. It's a miracle of creation that is both exhilarating, and I say this, and terrifying at the same time. I still remember bringing my daughter home and staring at the bundle of perfection in awe of the fact that God would entrust anyone, anyone, especially me, with this precious responsibility to participate not only in the creation of life, but now tasked with shaping this life. It was an, a, an amazing thing that I, I, I still remember sitting in my house and just feeling overwhelmed with awe and like, just like, oh God, what's, why, how come? Now, as both of my son and daughter went from babies to children, it was obvious that not only did they look like Jan and I, but they also began to sound like us and act like us in their speech and behavior. Now, kids are a great barometer of what is being passed on from your relationships, right? I mean, you see yourself and your children, both the good and sometimes those things that you're like, oh, I wish they didn't get that part of me. Um, I remember one of those moments is when I was driving and I was like, we were in our car, and as we, another car passed us rather fast, I, I heard from the back seat, come on! What are you thinking driving like that? Now, I, I wanted to blame it on my wife, but I knew exactly where that reaction came from. You see, one of the things that we have to understand as we're in our series, as I'm excited to continue today, called making disciples, understanding the Great Commission, is that God also has a great desire to have children who not only look like him, but to have people who act like him in their behavior, attitudes, and character. And God's will is not only that we would reproduce natural children on the earth, but we would reproduce spiritual children who would look like him. And we're given this awesome responsibility to create or make followers who have as nature people who carry his power and his authority. This is the essence of the Great Commission, as we learned last week. Well, what is the Great Commission? Well, it's given to us in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And here's what it says. And Jesus came and told his disciples, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go, 
and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. We heard that in our prayer time today. This, here's what Jesus is saying to us. He's saying, look, I've been given all authority, so here's what's going to happen. I'm going to pass on my authority. I'm going to pass on who I am to you so that you will go and make disciples or Christ followers. Now, go make disciples is really the essence or the definition of the Great Commission. When I first started, oh wait, last week I shared, I got to say this part first. Last week I shared uh, that the word go means to leave our place of comfort for a place of opportunity that isn't always comfortable, right? When God gets a hold of our life, sometimes he leads us into things that aren't always as comfortable. I remember when I was first dating Jan, we had only been a, a couple for a couple months, and then she left Portland and moved back to Calgary. That was part of her plan. She went to back to Calgary to be a nursing student. But through the course of our conversations, we discovered that a month later, she would not only be visiting New, West, New Westminster, British Columbia, which is much closer to Portland than Calgary was, but she would be crossing the border to spend time at her grandparents' beach trailer in Birch Bay, Washington. Now, the cool thing, I was invited actually to come to Birch Bay and spend time with not only her, but her family. This was going to be kind of our first time of really spending any time together. So I was a little bit nervous and excited at the same time, right? Now, you have to remember, this was in about 1992, way back ancient times, <clears throat> before there were cell phones, right? I mean, there might have been cell phones, but it was the brick phone that you put in your car that lasted for like 10 minutes, and then you had to recharge it, and it cost you a 1000 bucks to have it. No, there really wasn't any cell phones. There was not GPS. There were really not many real-time forms of communication. And because the drive from Portland to Birch Bay was a solid five to five and a half hours, depending on who was driving and what the traffic was like, um, my drive from Portland began before Jan and her parents would arrive at the beach. And to make things more challenging, I don't know what it is. When you're young and you're in love, you do crazy things. I never even had the address of where they were staying. <laughs> Only a vague location on a beach strip. But because I was in love, I jumped in my car after work on that Friday and began to drive. Driving to the unknown. You see, I was compelled, listen, I was compelled to go from what was comfortable, what I knew, to that which was unknown for new opportunities and adventure. And it really was, uh, I, I didn't have this in my notes, but I, I ended up arriving and I couldn't find them and I had to end up getting a hotel in another town the night before. And the next day, listen to this, I drove my car along the strip until I ran into her dad, Pastor Ron, walking on the thing. I was like, hey, and he's like, hey. It was kind of one of those moments. Now that is the challenging thing we all face in life, especially when it comes to reaching people, going from the comfort, the, the things that we know, to the opportunity of what is unknown, right? 
talking to people about our faith or, or, or beginning to build relationships can be very challenging. And so to, to go make disciples means that we see opportunity instead of obstacles. Now, I believe this. There are great opportunities within the church each and every time we come together. People come here, I don't know if you realize this or not, every week searching for answers and looking for friendships and relationships. But the question is, who will connect with them? Or will you connect with them? You see, for many of us, especially those, those of us who are introverts, that, that can be our go. <laughs> you know, going across the room can be a great challenge, safety and comfort to that unknown, that unknown situation, that unknown purpose, person. But there's even greater opportunities outside of the church. People we cross paths with every day, our neighbors, our coworkers, our classmates, the barista that we grab coffee from every day, so many others. Here's the question, will we connect with them? Will we reach out to them? Will we begin to talk with them and have a relationship with them, or will we not? You know, I know the thought of going and making disciples can sound daunting and complicated and time-consuming. But it starts rather simply with this, a belief that I can share my life with others or even just maybe one other with the thought of drawing them closer to Jesus. Or maybe it could be this thought of, of being with people together who encourage us as we draw closer together. And as we draw closer to Jesus, we keep adding another person here, another person there. And before we know it, we're both encouraging each other and being encouraged ourselves into a deeper relationship with God. How, does, that, does that sound a little more doable at times? Not quite as mysterious and scary. And we use words like discipleship and evangelism, and we're like, whoa. Man, those are big spiritual words. But really, they're just about us reaching people, building relationships with people. But see, for this to happen, we have to take on the stance of that, okay, God, if you, you ask me, if you're asking me, and I want you to know this, you don't need to know whether God is asking you to reach out to people. He already said that's what he wants us to do. But we must be willing to go and share with someone the change that Jesus has made in our life for what the Bible calls the good news. See, the good news is really just simply this. Because of Jesus, my sins have been forgiven. And now I can have a relationship with God because he loves me. That's the simplest version. I mean, we can get into the deeper things of what happens and all that, but that's really what it is. But I know that speaking about the greatness of God or the love of Jesus can feel awkward for many of us. But besides feeling awkward, there are other many reasons that sometimes we hold back from sharing our faith. And I think the awkwardness and the one that's obvious is fear. I don't know anybody who wants to be singled out as a religious wacko. You know, we sometimes think about evangelism. Oh, I know who those people are. I mean, I've seen them. They're going, they're knocking door to door. They're going here. I just, I feel really awkward and unsafe. Or, or we see sometimes, we've seen in the church uh, people who have been uh, um, people who are, have been around Christians long enough, you've seen people who do some weird things in the name of Jesus. And you're like, yeah, that's not really where, where I'm at. But here's what we have to understand. that I believe that for the most part, most of us have been trained or conditioned in our life 
that talking about Jesus and our religious beliefs are off limits in most environments. Well, you don't do that. Your religious experience is a, a private expression between you and God. That's what I grew up in. That's what my grandparents would say. If you talk to them, you talk to my parents, they're like, you know, your, 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 your relationship with God, that's beautiful. I'm glad that you have it, honey. It's so nice, but you, know, you just need to keep that to yourself. And can I say this? Because we've been keeping it to ourselves for so long, we almost don't have a voice anymore. And there's a lot of crazy things in the world because people have quit talking about who God is and how he can change their lives. And now there's other things that have filled that gap and they're not quite as pleasant or nice. See, is, we've made that talking about God as something unnatural for most people when really it should be something that we naturally do because it's just part of who we are. So fear can hold us back. How about we're just busy? Busyness is challenging. I got to be honest, life is full. Who would say your life is full today? You just feel like, man, you're just having challenges, just keeping everything together most of the time. I've actually had this question. How many of you feel like your lives were busier before COVID or after COVID? For me, I just feel like, I feel like there's a train that's going 1,000 miles an hour right now. You see, between demanding jobs, we have both parents that are needing to work to make and meet school schedules, activities for the kids, uh, maybe a few other things in our life. It's, it's, it's hard. We're, we're busy and we're holding on many times just for survival. And this busyness creates legitimate tiredness so that even spending time with other people can just seem like, wow, that's like a luxury. But yet God still is calling us there. Sometimes we don't want to share because we feel unqualified. Do not feel like we're knowledge enough, knowledgeable enough about the Bible or spiritual things. And because of this, we don't want to be put in a position where we don't have the answers to questions or criticisms. And can I tell you that we do have an answer for that? It's called beginning to, to, to study our Bibles more, read our Bibles more. We can help each other grow in the Word. Two more here. And this is a tough one. Sometimes we don't want to share our faith because we know we've been a poor example of what a believer is. I call this where we live one way on Sunday and another way on Monday. <laughs> Extremely difficult to talk about Jesus and how he changes people when we've had been, been a bad example of what a Christ follower is. We have a guilty conscience because of our poor behavior and I believe this, it's one of the great tools of the enemy is he wants to keep us silent by keeping us being silly when it comes to how we do things and live our lives. And the fact is he loves it when we call ourselves Christians and we live like hellions because it causes great damage to the cause of Christ. You see, how we live our lives is important. That's what our last series was about, about the blood of Jesus and holiness and that God's called us to holiness, not so that we can walk around with a, I'm holier than you, you know, I'm better than you. No, it's because we want to represent the nature and character of God. And here's where I, the, the, my last point in this section is that we can sometimes see sharing our faith as a, an obligation instead of a calling. 
You see, most people look at talking about Jesus as something to avoid or a list to check off. Oh, I, okay, I talked to Sally about what happened at, at church on Sunday. Whew, that's good, I'm good for the day. Don't need to do that anymore. I can check that box off today. Or maybe that's for the week or the month. We, we just are like, wow. You see, I, I believe this, that sharing our faith is most effective when it's not something that we do, but it becomes something who we are. You see, God wants us to be so full of him and so full of his presence and his life that we become people that just share things about him naturally. See, sharing our faith is not to be an event or an activity, but a genuine expression of us, a normal part of our lives, an outflowing of our love for Jesus. But here's one of the things I've also discovered, and I want to hopefully give you some peace and some rest here today that I've discovered that that. that Sharing our faith is not a one-size-fit-all kind of thing for people. Maybe you have an idea of what you believe that sharing your faith is, that maybe you have to sit in your room and you got to psych yourself up and you got to get ready. You got to like, okay, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to that person today. Here it goes. Then sometimes we wonder why we're not affected because we're like, Jesus. Whoa, man, chill, calm down. We're good, we're good. See, some of us, we have to understand that we're all different people and that God created us with a unique personality, with unique giftings and unique abilities. Some of us are introverts. The fact that you're here today, I commend you. I congratulate you. While others of us are extroverts, you're welcome. Church is a great place. Some of us love knowledge and information, while others love creativity and stories. Some of us like the outdoors and the mountains, while others are more comfortable being city folk. You see, God uses people the way that they are. He uses us with what he's given us and gifted us with, with our personalities and, 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 and who we are as people. And here's what I want you to know, that it doesn't take a, a unique person to share God's word because God just uses ordinary people to do extraordinary things. God uses common people to do uncommon things, but he uses us how we are. And I want to talk about this just for a minute. How many of you here today like for your clothes to look sharp? You, you, you're, you like your style to be kind of tight, you know, for it to snap a little bit. Okay, wait, I said that the wrong way, didn't I? Who here doesn't want your clothes to be tight? All right. <laughs> Who here knows that though from season to season, styles change. No, it's not that your clothes get tighter. Don't go there with me. What was a thing a year ago is not a thing today. Now I got to talk a little bit about when I was growing up. Everybody likes to, what, what were things like? My kids sometimes will ask me, well, what would what, 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 you guys do? What were things like when you were growing up? And 
And I remember when I was growing up, and uh, so I was a kid, kid in the 70s. And uh, so I went from, who here remembers tough skin jeans? You're, th- those, are what, those were parents' things. They were indestructible. You could slide in the parking lot and not rip out the knees of tough skin jeans. But as you got older, they weren't cool anymore. And so then we went to colored corduroy pants. Yeah. Man, when you're wearing those babies, you could hear you. Your legs rubbing together. To the iconic bell-bottom jeans. Who here had some bell-bottom jeans back in the day? Some of you kids that were like in the 2000s were like, what are you talking about? We had them too. But then things changed to the 80s. Parachute pants, which were very necessary. Hey, don't laugh. When you're breakdancing, you need to have (laughs) things that look good. Levi 501 straight leg jeans came popular. And hey, as a dude, Izod polo shirts were the thing. It was what you wore. Or a polo shirt. Sometimes you just had to get... Now, because I, my family did not have much money, I would not call myself a, a, a fashion guru. Probably still wouldn't do that today. I got some of these ladies on the front row, they're laughing because they know that I wear brand mixing all of the time. It's just what I do. And I loved wearing high tops without shoelaces, a pair of jeans and either a t-shirt and a, an occasional golf shirt. That's what I did when I was dressing up. But see... Whether or not you look good, I thought I was cool and nobody could change my style. How about your style? What is your style when it comes to how you like to look? But what is your style when it comes to what God wants to do in your life? You see, God is the author of creativity. And because he's the originator and the only true creator, it only makes sense that he'd pour out his love to the world through us through many different ways. And another word for sharing our faith is called evangelism. Did you know there are many different styles of evangelism? First style that we probably recognize the most is direct evangelism. That's where we speak to people directly in conversation. Can include using tracts, going door to door. It can, be, it can be those people that feel inspired just in a moment to say, hey, I want to share with you. Here's, here's the, uh, the four spiritual laws, the two-question test. I did all of that stuff when I was growing up, uh, growing up. We used to, on Friday nights, for part of my youth uh, group, we would go uh, street witnessing because our, our, our downtown strip was where all of people cruised in their cars. And so we would talk to people and friends and all that stuff. But did you know that's just one form of evangelism? It's an effective form. of, And, and for some of you, that's what God has, has called you to, to do. You, it's something that you can thrive in. But for other people, maybe your style would be apologetic evangelism. What's that? Sharing the gospel by answering people's objections to the Christian worldview. It's learning how to have answers. And, and sometimes we see those formats are or where people are, are usually in one-on-one settings, or they're in classroom-type settings, or maybe even in a, a public deba- debate. You see, you might be somebody that's like, hey, I want to I talk to people through their mind and talk to them why God, we can prove that God is real, that the Bible is real. There's testimonial evangelism. 
Sharing Jesus by telling the testimony how he has changed your life. Who here is sitting here today? Jesus has changed your life in some capacity. Amen. Who here, your story is still developing about how he changes your life. I'm with you there. See, every one of us has a unique story about what God has done in our life. I want to encourage you. Learn your story. Learn what God has done. Get comfortable being able to talk to people about this because it's, you want to know something? It's hard to argue with somebody about their story. Oh, you're a liar. No, well, that's my story. Testimony. How about kindness, service evangelism? Going around the neighborhood, reaching out. Now, there's some might call this direct, but I'd call this indirect directness. It's reaching people through random acts of kindness and serving. It's finding people's needs and meeting them through love. It's by mowing grass, shoveling sidewalks, helping people with some groceries. There's a hundred things we can do. It could be walking somebody across the street. Because people begin to ask you, why would you do that? What? Why would you do that? Now we got an opportunity. It's because of Jesus. The love Jesus put in my heart. We have invitational evangelism. It's introducing people to Jesus by inviting them to events where the gospel will be preached, like church gatherings, special evangelistic events, Christian concerts. There's a lot of different things where we can invite people, say, hey, come, come with me to this, or let's go do this together. I want to invite you to hear this. There's a great speaker. There's a great concert. I know you're going to love it. Maybe you're like, you know that they love music, but they don't know about Jesus, and you combine it together. And people get to hear the gospel. I love this one, power evangelism. Believe in God for more of this. This is the method of evangelism that uses prophetic words, words of knowledge, healing, deliverance, and other miracles to demonstrate the power of God. I even talked to a believer this week, somebody that grew up in the church who did not believe in miracles. But when we, he prayed for somebody and they got healed, it changed his opinion. When the Holy Spirit shows up, there's no greater witness of the gospel of Jesus. And then there's relational evangelism. Building relationships with people through conversations or spending time together that can lead to gospel sharing. I'm going to spend a little bit more time on this today. We'll hit some of the others as we go forward. But the, the method of this method focuses on getting to know people before trying to insert the gospel. In fact, it's learning to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to know when you share Jesus and when not to share him. Now, I, I got to say this. I want, I want to say this flat out. Whether you're into direct evangelism or you're into power evangelism, you need to be led by the Holy Spirit. You have to be led by the Holy Spirit, not by your own push and desire, but by what God is calling you to do. You see, relational evangelism typically focuses on the long game of relationship versus the short-term salvation with strangers. 
And I'm not disparaging this, that, that gift. I believe that God can call people in times. God calls me at times to talk to the person who's serving me uh, uh, dinner at a restaurant to say, hey, what's going on? Can I pray for you? But, but when you talk about relational, no, you're now starting with trying to build relationships with people. So that we can begin to develop relationship where they're like, hey, I know you. I know who you are. I get to see your character. Can I tell you that 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 one sometimes it might seem easier, but it can be more challenging. Why? Because people are going to look at how you live your life day by day by day. And do you follow what God says you should follow? You're typically not in a hurry because building relationship is the foundation to earning permission to share. But its weakness is that it can become easy to have relationships where Jesus has never shared. We have to be saying, God, how can you use me? My, my belief is, as Jesus followers, we should be looking to engage people in conversation every day and asking God for divine appointments. God, who do you want to send me to today? Having my eyes, my ears, and my heart open. For me, it's a lifestyle thing. Can I say that again? Sharing Jesus should be a lifestyle thing. I'm always asking the Holy Spirit, who should I connect with? You don't want to sit by me on a flight. I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to ask you things about yourself. And can I say this, that it's one of the greatest things that you can learn how to do is it's not you talking about what you know and what you need. It's learning how to ask people questions about their life. I so many times spend most of my time just listening to their stories and then eventually they're like, well, who are you? What do you do? Why are you so curious? And I get to share. Haircuts, massage sessions, those are places that are opportunities if we allow God to speak to us. Because of the long game of relational evangelism, I was blessed to see many years ago my next door neighbors come to Christ after 12 years of relationship. What made it even more special is that they were a Muslim family. So how do you figure out what your evangelism style is? And I'm going to start to close things off here. You see, how God reached you, how God connected with you, is usually how you're going to become comfortable at reaching out to other people. Even though you might have a primary style that you think is your main style, I believe as we begin to serve God and go forward, God will show us how to be more creative and mix things up even in how we do things. You see, we see a creative God that loves to work through us in different ways, in different seasons. And the more we step out, the more adventurous we'll become. So where do you start if you're looking to begin sharing with others? What should be our motivation? What should be our foundation? In Matthew 22, verses 37 to 39, he had been asked by somebody who was trying initially to trick him up, what is the greatest commandment? And he said, Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is equally as 
important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Can I say this? The more time that we spend with God, the more we will experience his love for us. And the more we fall in love with Jesus, the more we will fall in love with people because he loves people more than anything else. People ask me many times, what is having the heart of God? Having the heart of God is having a heart for people. You see, the great commission is fulfilled when we embrace the great commandment. When I'm truly full of the love of God, I will love my neighbor as much as I love myself. And if we get down to it, most of us love ourselves dearly. We take lots of time getting ready for things like church, pampering ourselves, caring for ourselves, looking after ourselves. We feed ourselves. And when someone hurts us, we many times want to hurt them back. That's how we're called to love other people, where we care about their needs, where we care about what God has put in their heart and speaking to them about, and we reach out to them. But I also, as I was praying, the Lord just took me to this point, and, 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 and we're going to spend some time here. I realize that some people here today maybe don't love themselves the way that God's called them to love themselves. Because if we don't love ourselves or we're ashamed of ourselves, we cannot love our neighbor because God, we cannot give what we don't have. I believe this for those who are sitting here today that are maybe struggling. Here we are on Father's Day and you hear about the Father. You've heard people share things about fathers and and believing for fathers. And maybe you haven't had a great relationship with your father. In fact, it's a painful thing to think about. And so you've struggled with how you see yourself, how you view yourself. And today I hear God, the perfect father, saying, I want to give you a righteous love for yourself so that you will have the capacity to love other people. God wants to heal you so that you can share his healing with other people. He wants you to have a proper view of yourself so you can love like no other. He wants to extend his love to you and through you. And so as we close this time together, I I gave a lot of information, but I, I believe it's all about understanding that God made you perfectly the way that you are. And God wants to use you as you are to be his vessel, to be his conduit, to reach people around you everywhere. And he wants you to fill you so much with his love that we're able to take our eyes off of ourselves, and that we're able to put them onto other people. Because there are people all around us that are hurting, they're dying. So today, here's what my ask is in this service. Maybe you're here today and You just need to know and you need to experience and you need to feel the love of the Father today. 
You need to allow God just to touch you. Maybe for some of you here today, you need to be able to love yourself so that you can turn around eventually and love other people. Maybe you're aware today that your heart just, you haven't really been full of love for those around you. You've been so consumed with things and you're just like, God, would you fill me up today? I don't know what it is that you need today, but if you need more of God's love, love to fill you, to touch you, to strengthen you, encourage you, would you just raise your hand right where you're at today? God wants to touch you. Maybe you don't have a relationship with Jesus. Today you can embrace him, you can accept him and allow his love to touch you. I wanna pray for those who have their hands up today and if there's somebody right next to you that raised their hand, maybe you just wanna, you don't, maybe not even touch them but just reach out your hand towards them. Pray for them. Father God, today we thank you that here in this season, in this moment. Lord, as we want to go out and be your disciples, we want to go out and make disciples, teaching them about you. But first of all, in order to do it, God, we need to be filled with your love. And so, Lord, I pray for every heart that is here today, God, that you would, you would fill them, that you would touch them. For those that are just asking you for more of your presence, more of your Holy Spirit, you would fill them right where they're at today. But I pray especially today. I pray especially for those today that are struggling to see themselves the way that you see them, God. those who beat themselves up, those who are frustrated and angry because they just are so tired of dealing with the, 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 the difficulties in life. God, they felt so much hurt. Father, I'm asking you right now, will you come down from heaven and will you touch their life right here in this moment? God, will you pour out your healing today? Father, on Father's Day, would you just touch them with the love of a father, the greatest love ever known to man, your love. And would you bring healing in new ways, God? Restoration. God, would you touch those that are here today Lord, so that we can come to that place where we can give what you've given us and it's your love. It's your love to people. Father, I thank you today. I praise you today. I pray for that one right now that even came into this service today and was just, I am so fed up with life. I speak to you right now that God is speaking to me to speak to you, that God sees you, he hears you. And our hope and your hope is that he'll just take it all away, but what he's telling me to tell you 
Let me fill you with my love and I'm going to walk with you through these things and you're going to discover. You're going to discover God saying, you're going to discover I've got a strength for you, a new strength. And I feel that right now as God, just for those of you that need it, just receive, receive the love of Jesus right in this moment. Receive the love of the Father. That there's new strength that's coming into your heart and into your spirit. And for the one who's saying, I've done so many wrong things, God could never forgive me. Jesus wants to remind you that his sin, that his, not his sin, his death for our sin on the cross covered everything. Even what you think is impossible, Jesus said, I forgive you and so that you can have that relationship with God. If you don't have a relationship with God, ask him right now. Say, God, I want you to be part of my life. Thank you, Jesus, today. I just say this to everybody here today. God loves you so much. And as we, as we walk in the full measure of his love, it's going to become contagious. And God wants us not just to hold that in for ourselves, but to share it with other people. Can I hear an amen to that? Let's thank God today for his grace and his mercy and his goodness.